0: Hello, oh, and welcome back to Think Compliance brought to you by Comply Guys and Compliatric. My name is Brad Phillips, Director of Sales for Compliatric, and I'll be your host. Dave Monahan, co-founder of Compliatric, and Ahmed Salim, co-founder of Comply Guys, join me here. It's nice to have you guys on the show, so welcome. Hi Brad. Hey Brad, thanks. No worries. For our new listeners, Comply Guys and Compliatric have created this podcast series in order to help compliance professionals build their programs. Every podcast will discuss a new compliance issue and provide insight on how to ensure your organization is following the best practices. Now, it's important to note that the information provided in this podcast are the opinions of our presenters and should not be considered legal advice. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Ahmed Salim. His email address is listed on the description page of the podcast. So today's topic will be an overview of the first element of an effective compliance program, which is implementing a written policy and procedures. So let's get started. Ahmed, can you tell us a little bit more about the first element, Implementing Written Policies and Procedures? Hey
1: Brad, uh, no problem. Actually so there's a lot of information that uh, goes behind implementing policies and procedures so it's not that simple. When we talk about policy and procedures we talk about uh, having a non-retaliation policy or making sure that you have an appropriate discipline policy but I think for the purposes of this conversation we'll probably start off with the most important uh, policy which is ensuring your organization has a code of conduct policy. Okay, so Dave could you actually
0: tell us what is a code of conduct policy?
2: Yeah, great question, Brad. So a code of conduct provides your staff the expectation your organization expects when it comes to workforce conduct. Simply put, it's a guide to help use good judgment and making the correct choices.
1: And you know, we should clarify and point out, so some people may use the term code of conduct, some people may use the code of ethics. We gotta make sure that, uh, you know, people understand it's one and the same. So, depending on your organization wants to structure your code of conduct or code of ethics, Uh, Some organizations decide to separate the Code of Conduct to what they call a Compliance Program Manual, but for our purposes uh, going forward we're going to combine both the Compliance Program Manual and the Code of Conduct. So uh, your Code of Conduct could have a variety of things such as a letter from your CEO to show support, basically outlining the expectation of the organization uh, for the compliance program, a letter from your Chief Compliance Officer as well, uh, stating your mission, value, and goals of your organization, uh, listing the expectations of behavior for all of your staff and then having an overview of regulations such as the False Claims Act, Anti-Kickback Statute, Stark Law, and uh, HRSA. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that can go into uh, your Code of Conduct.
2: Yeah, Brad, also inside of the Code of Conduct, uh, you can reference your organization's non-retaliation policy. And this is an important policy for your organization, so it's very important that staff is aware of its uh, existence. You can also share your compliance hotline and the function of your compliance department. You know, this is a main component of your program, and another element will be having an effective line of communication, which we'll be discussing in the future. So information about your organization's culture and your commitment to doing what's right can also be included. The goal when it comes to your organization's culture is to have the staff understand that it's not only an expectation that they follow the code, but it's required of them to do so it's important to lay out how your organization's commitment to compliance and following law relate back to your organization's mission, value, and goals. Guidance when it comes to certain departments such as finance, clinical, and legal can also be included.
0: Wow, that's a lot of information, guys. Can you explain what it means when you say guidance of financial, clinical, and legal?
1: Yeah, no problem, uh, Brad. So those are just some examples that, uh, you know, are out there, but the idea is to provide insight in how your compliance program relates back to the employees. So, for example, uh, your code of conduct could explain the importance of appropriately documenting for clinical staff, right? A lot of frontline staff don't understand how compliance affects them, so when you use an example about the importance of documenting, You can explain to the staff that if they're not documenting appropriately, say they're not documenting a procedure that they've done, medication they've given, but we're billing for it, that could be a billing error. So you want to relate some of those issues back into your code of conduct so staff can see how the compliance connects to their day-to-day activity.
2: Yeah, it's also important that there's significance placed on your conduct. The conduct code should be given to every employee at the time of orientation or even before if that's possible.
1: Exactly, Dave. Also, new employees and employees on an annual basis should sign off on the fact that they have not only know about the code of conduct but have read the document as well. So oftentimes an organization, uh, especially in orientation, they'll give their employees the code of conduct basically immediately afterwards. They'll, uh, After handing out the code of conduct, they'll ask the employee to sign it and attest to the fact of reading it and then return it right back to them. That's not appropriate. You want to make sure that your organization is showing and actually representing the importance of the code of conduct to uh, your staff and orientation. Make sure that the code of conduct, if possible, is passed out prior to the job start date or in the beginning of orientation and employees are given some time to actually look over the document prior to being uh, told to sign the document because if we're, if we're giving employees the document and expecting them to sign it right away, it shows that your organization doesn't really put any importance behind the code of conduct.
2: That's right. Also, you should not only have the staff attest to reading the code on an annual basis, but ensure that the code is in your organization's policy portal for easy access to the employee. The goal should be that if an employee has a question or want to look at the code of conduct, they should have easy access to view that code of conduct.
1: Yeah, great point, Dave. And, you know, just to piggyback on that, make sure that you are uh, publicizing your code of conduct so employees are reminded about the code of conduct and know how to find it whenever they need to if they ever have questions.
0: Thanks guys. So are there any tips on how to write your code of conduct?
1: Yeah, there's actually a a few good tips. So if you have a chance to read Compliance 101 that's actually sold through the HCCA, it gives you a couple points. So uh, first and foremost, make sure that your code of conduct is written at a grade school level. There's different educational backgrounds with employees and staff in a hospital, you want to make sure that you're not making it too complex um, for your given organization, and then you want to make sure you're not using convoluted language or any legalese to confuse uh, any staff members. Try to avoid compliance terms. You want to make sure that everyone that's reading your code of conduct understands what they're reading. And honestly, if the code of conduct is too complex, it won't really serve the purpose it's supposed to for your uh, organization.
2: Yeah, I know there's a lot of people who may be interested in seeing some examples of a Code of Conduct. Um, There's a lot of examples on the web. We're going to try to put some links on the podcast page that people can go and reference. We have no control over that. Obviously, we're just providing some links and references that you can go look at some examples.
0: So thanks for your time, gentlemen. We appreciate all the insight. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Brad. Thank you for listening to Think Compliance. Now, please join us for our next podcast and the next element of an effective compliance program, which will be designating a compliance officer and compliance committee. As we mentioned before, if you have any questions or would like a sample code of conduct, please reach out to Ahmed Salim. His email will be listed at the description page on our podcast. Thanks again.